As we begin our final leg in our three-part loading screen, God is my co-pilot, I want to thank all who have listened in, the US, Germany, Switzerland, and Russia. Also, as I have said in previous loading screens in this series, go check out Mentor Pilot. He is a great person who explains, from a seasoned pilot's point of view, many more air disasters than just the two mentioned here. And speaking of air disasters, this last message from the series has a happy ending. Now I know, with many times an aircraft has a major event, death is always on the news. The one we are focusing on is actually a great story, and was made into a feature film starring Tom Hanks. Now, the date, January 15th, 2009, may not mean anything to you. For many of our older listeners regarding dates, there are questions like, where were you when Kennedy was assassinated? Or, what were you doing when O.J. Simpson was driving his white Ford Bronco down the 405 freeway? Or, how about when Kurt Cobain was found dead in his home? Remembering dates is difficult unless we have context, and January 15th, 2009 is no exception. This is when U.S. Airways Flight 1549, uh, call sign Cactus 1549, landed in the Hudson River just after takeoff in New York City. And it is colloquially known as the Miracle on the Hudson, and our main heroes in this example are pilots Chesley Scully Sullenberg, and he's in the left seat. And Jeffrey Jeff Skiles being the gentleman in the right seat. The brief history of this air crash is that the plane taking off from LaGuardia is intercepted by a large flock of Canadian geese, and several geese are swept into the intakes of both engines on the Airbus A320, causing total engine failures in both nacelles. Now, in the cockpit, both pilots begin the procedure to do a mid air engine restart. It is a standardized checklist that First Officer Skiles is performing when Captain Sullenberg makes the decision to ditch the aircraft with all 155 passengers and crew into the Hudson. During the first 39 seconds of the emergency, Captain Sullenberg looks at two alternate landing site options, Teterboro, which is in New Jersey, or they return to LaGuardia, and he realizes that based on the glide slope of the aircraft, Neither airport is viable. In his own words, the captain states, quote, We're gonna be in the Hudson. At this point, checklists are out of the window and the simulator training takes over. In the end, 155 people, both passengers and crew, survived the ditching. The flight crew were treated as heroes, and the plane itself can be viewed at the Carolinas Aviation Museum. So, what does flight? 1549 have to do with God being a co-pilot in your life? Well, first, the cockpit is different from the past. Now, only two are flying the aircraft, you and Jesus. Where's God, you may be asking? He's in the seat behind you in the cockpit doing an evaluation on your piloting skills. Jesus is in the right-hand seat. He has a a checklist ready for any emergency or need in your life. Now, what are these checklists? Well, the parables, the stories that Jesus uses to teach a lesson. And these parables are succinct, defined actions that the actors in these stories fulfill. Some of you know through movies, TV, or other media, because they're, they're paraphrased. They go by the titles of The Prodigal Son, The Good Samaritan, The Grand Banquet. In all, there are 50 parables ready for you to read, 
to understand how to be a better person in the world and to your neighbors. 50 checklists to being a great individual in this world full of posers and fakes. But what about God now watching you and evaluating your performance here on Earth? Well, the flight plan is already filed with the FAA and your flight, called life, is following it. There are some headwinds, turbulence, and even some emergencies that will cause deviations. But no matter what, God will make sure you return to your original course to your final destination. As someone who is probably listening to this is scoffing, saying, no one is in control of my life or destination, think again. Now, I do not believe in the theory of predestination. God's plan can be changed based on circumstances with your life and your choices, but the general plan is the same, to get you to heaven. In 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, it says, Whoever knows what you're thinking and planning except you yourself? Good question. The same with God, except that he not only knows what he's thinking, but he lets us in on it. God offers a full report on the gifts of life and salvation that he is giving us. Now, how does how God does that, we will not directly know immediately and not always the path to take, except when we have Jesus by our side. With Jesus by us, we no longer have the burden of sin which separates us from God. In Jesus' death, that burden was passed on, as written in Galatians 1.4. We know the meaning of those words because Jesus Christ rescued us from this evil world where in for by offering himself as a sacrifice for our sins. God's plan is that we are all experience that rescue. And what about the trials, tribulations, and the emergencies that will hamper your flight? Well, God, Jesus, nor I have never said that life would be easy when you accepted God and Jesus in your life. In fact, life can be more difficult because of friend and family pressures that will challenge your faith, plus major and minor life events that cause you pain. The Bible is very deliberate about that in 1 Peter chapter 5.10, but shows that the suffering does not last. Specifically, the suffering won't last forever. It won't be long before this generous God who has great plans for us in Christ, eternal and glorious plans they are, will have you put together and on your feet for good. Isn't that a great, awesome, you know, thing to think that, you know, hey, you know, if you're injured, you're in, you know, somebody's going to say, hey, we're going to get you rehabbed. We're going to get you going. We're going to get taken care of you. You'd take it, right? That's what Galatians, excuse me, First Peter is saying. So as we begin our final descent here on the final leg of the series, I want you to give you a little insight and challenge for the next month. And my insight for you is a routine. Now for me, I pray upon waking. Simply stating that I wish the day to be good, that the people in the world are healthy and find joy, and that my family gets through any troubles we have. My ending for my morning prayer is always, and God, make me the person that Satan fears as I stand up. Let him panic and remark to himself, oh no awake now. Amen. In the evening before bedtime, I do the prayer again. I again wish for the world to be at peace, that people find joy and health, and that tomorrow any troubles anyone, including my family, face will conquer them. My ending is slightly different, and it goes, and God, 
I am sleeping, but remind Satan that I will wake up tomorrow. Amen. Okay, I know it sounds a little comical, but really, that's what a prayer is. Just, you know, it's not some big over elaborate thing. It's just a communication with you and God. So here's now the challenge. I challenge all of you listening to just pray once per day. Nothing elaborate. Just be yourself as if God was sitting next to you, coffee in hand, ready to listen like your best friend. Do this for 30 days and come back here on Twitch or go to our site and tell us how you feel. So I wish to remind all of you to return your tables and flight crew to their upright positions, fasten your seatbelts, and be bring your seat back to the vertical position. On behalf of your flight crew here at the Greater Guild, we thank you for listening. Hit that follow button with reminders and we will have another loading screen for you next week.